Volume three, chapter fifteen of the Vicar of Rexhill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Vicar of Rexhill by Francis Milton Trollope. Volume three, chapter fifteen. Mrs. Cartwright's last will and testament. It was probably the love of seeing an enemy mortified, which it may be feared is too common to all men, which induced the Vicar of Rexhill, notwithstanding the deep aversion he felt for Sir Gilbert Harrington to suffer him not only to be invited to attend mrs cartwright's funeral but also to be present at the opening of her will to both invitations the baronet returned a gracious acceptance and accordingly once more found himself at the park on the day that its gates were again to open to the funeral array of its owner charles mowbray as sir gilbert's carriage drew up stood ready on the steps of the mansion to receive him and tears moistened the eyes of both as they silently shook hands and entered the drawing-room where the funeral guests were assembled the room was full not only all such saintly scions of the new birth as their esprit de corps always brought together were present there but as many of the neighbouring gentry as he could collect were now assembled to witness the proud fanatic's crowning triumph one circumstance only tended to damp the happiness of this full success this great conclusion to all his hopes and wishes his son was not present at it and indeed so great had been the license granted him that he was at this time wandering his proud father knew not where nothing however notwithstanding his deep-felt happiness could be better got up than mr cartwright's sorrow as he watched his wife laid in the tomb never was white cambric used with better grace poor charles the while sheltered himself behind the stalwart figure of sir gilbert and wept unseen nearly the whole of the company who attended the funeral were invited to be present at the ceremony of opening of the will which it was the pleasure of the bereaved widower should follow immediately after it again the large drawing-room was surrounded by a circle of sable guests not one of whom but felt more than usual curiosity at the opening a will upon which hung so large a property and concerning which there were such conflicting interests sir gilbert considerately led his friend charles into a corner where he was not conspicuous and placed himself beside him both of them being in good part concealed by the tall and portly person of a gentleman whom young mowbray had never seen before and whom indeed several persons not too much interested in the scene to note what passed, had observed to enter with the funeral train after its return from the church, although he had not been present at the interment. It is probable, however, that the master of the house himself was not aware of this, for he took no notice of him, and was in fact too fully occupied by the business afoot to know more or to think more of those around him than that they were there to witness the proudest and happiest moment of his life. All the company being seated, and mute attentive silence hovering over all, mr corbold after bowing to two or three distinguished personages whose seats were placed near the table at which he had stationed himself as if to assure their attentive witnessing of the act he was about to perform broke open the seals of the parchment he held in his hand and having spread it fairly open upon the table read its contents aloud with a clear voice never man had a more attentive auditory no sound or movement interrupted the lecture and when it was concluded a murmur only of rather shamefaced congratulation from the particular friends of mr cartwright broke the continued silence something meanwhile very like a groan burst from the breast of the unhappy mowbray but sir gilbert harrington hemmed so stoutly at the same moment that no one heard it the company had already risen from their seats and some were crowding round the meek and tranquil-looking vicar nay one active carrier of evil tidings had slipped out of the room to inform miss torrington and fanny of the nature of the departed lady's testament when the tall gentleman who sat before the disinherited son arose 
and with great politeness requested the attention of the company for one moment before they separated for the purpose of hearing a document which he should be happy to have the pleasure of reading to them and which if not of so extraordinary a nature as the one they had just listened to and therefore less likely to excite general attention was at least of later date every one appeared to listen to this address with interest and nearly the whole company immediately reseated themselves some keen-eyed persons fancied they perceived the vicar of rexhill change colour but they were probably mistaken for when mr corbold whispered to him in the name of heaven what does this mean cousin you never left her did you he replied also in a whisper but in a steady voice never for time enough to draw a codicil it is impossible and having so spoken he too reseated himself in the attitude of a listener the tall gentleman then drew forth from his pocket another parchment purporting to be the last will of the same lady containing even more skins than the first and running over with technical volubility a preamble only important as describing the testator's state of mind he proceeded to the more essential portion of the document and then read slowly and loudly so that all men might hear the bequest of all she died possessed of to her beloved son charles mowbray the only deductions being legacies of fifty thousand pounds to each of her younger children and her jewels to her daughter helen provided that within one year from the date of the will she should marry or have married colonel william harrington of his majesty's dragoons the name of cartwright appeared not in any shape probably because the provision for her younger children would have included the infant yet unborn when this will was made had it survived her this document was as fully and satisfactorily signed sealed witnessed and delivered as the former one the only difference being that it was dated some months later the pen that has traced these events is too feeble to portray the state into which this change of scenery and decorations threw the vicar of rexhill it would have been a great mercy for him if he had altogether lost his senses but no symptom of this sort appeared beyond a short paroxysm during which he called upon heaven to witness his promise of going to law with mr mowbray for the purpose of setting aside his mother's will after the buzz produced by this second letter had subsided sir gilbert harrington arose and addressed the company with equal good taste and good feeling a few minutes conversation with his young friend mr mowbray he said authorized him to assure the vicar of rexhill that whatever private property he could lay claim to a wag here whispered sermons surpluses and the like should be packed up and sent to the vicarage or any other place he would name with the utmost attention and care he added very succinctly and without a single syllable unnecessarily irritating that circumstances connected with the situation of the ladies of the family rendered it necessary that the reverend gentleman should not continue in the house a necessity which it might be hoped would be the less inconvenient from the circumstance of his former residence being so near while his old friend was uttering this extremely judicious harangue charles escaped by a side door from the room and bounding up the stairs to rosalind's dressing-room where though as yet he had hardly spoken to her he pretty well knew she was sitting with his sister fanny he burst open the door rushed in and fell upon his knees before her clasping her most daringly in his arms and almost devouring her hands with kisses fanny stood perfectly aghast at this scene during the few days that charles had been at home she had truly grieved to see the decided coldness and estrangement that was between rosalind and him and what could have produced this sudden change she was totally unable to guess not one of the family party had entertained the slightest doubt that the will which mr cartwright had more than once alluded to was such as to render his late wife's children wholly dependent upon him and this painful expectation had been already fully confirmed but even if it had proved otherwise fanny knew no reason why this should so change the conduct of charles toward miss torrington not so however the young lady herself 
the vehement caresses of mowbray explained the whole matter to her as fully and as clearly as the will itself could have done and if she did bend forward her head till her dark tresses almost covered his and if under that thick veil she impressed a wild and rapid kiss of joy upon his forehead most people would forgive her if they knew how well she had all the while guessed at his misery and how often her young heart had ached to think of it this impropriety however such as it was was really the only one committed on the occasion sir gilbert was an excellent man of business as was likewise the tall gentleman his attorney so seals were put upon all plate-chests jewel-cases and the like except such as were proved satisfactorily by mr stephen corbold to have been purchased since the marriage of the widow mowbray and mr cartwright all such were given over to the packing-cases of the serious attorney and the serious butler and at half-past nine p m the vicar of rexhill stepped into his recently purchased but not paid for travelling carriage and turned his back on the park once more mowbray park for ever but little remains to be said that may not easily be guessed at by the accomplished novel-reader and for such of course these pages are prepared little mary richards speedily became lady hilton and fanny mowbray during a visit of some months at her scotch castle learned to think of her religious sufferings with sufficient composure to enable her once more to look forward as well as around her with hope and enjoyment and who is there that can doubt that the lovely fanny mowbray with recovered senses and fifty thousand pounds even though she did for ever abandon her poetic pursuits met at no very advanced age with a husband worthy of her the two tall miss richards ceased to be serious as soon as it became decidedly mauvais ton at rexhill to be so and in process of time they too married leaving their charming little mother leisure to cultivate the friendship of rosalind who retained her partiality for her and enjoyed her friendship and society for many happy years need it be said that rosalind and helen were married on the same day so it was however and mr edward wallace performed the ceremony the vicar of rexhill being indisposed indeed the air of the vicarage evidently disagreed with him but by the influence of some of the most distinguished of his party both in religion and politics he soon obtained an exchange with a gentleman who held preferment in the fens he did not however obtain a mitre though a great many serious people declared that he deserved it a disappointment which was perhaps the more cutting from the circumstance of mr jacobs having joined a troop of strolling players and as he was not sufficiently successful amongst them to add any glory thereby to the family name the loss of episcopal honours was the more severely felt everything else i think went just as it ought to do poor miss mamima was sent off to her mamma who never again ventured to show her face at rexhill probably fearing that she might cease to be considered as the principal personage of the village mr mowbray speedily re-established mr marsh in his school the old lawyer and apothecary returned the newly hired serious servants retreated before the returning honest ones and in short a whole flight of fanaticals followed their incomparable vicar till the pretty village of rexhill once more became happy and gay and the memory of their serious epidemic rendered its inhabitants the most orderly peaceable and orthodox population in the whole country End of chapter fifteen end of the vicar of rexhill